Yo, 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 what's up? It's your boy Howard Q hanging out with Double E, Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Player? Hi, what's going on? This is Kenneth Wells with 3i Creative Communications, and you're now listening to Verbally Effective Podcast with DJ Esco. Wrong Esco? All right, Ina Esco. Verbally Effective, your Double E, Ina Esco here. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast today. I have one of my good friends and co-workers from iHeartRadio in the building with me today. I've been knowing this lady for like 20 years. I got my girl Big Sue in the building. What's up, lady? What's happening in there? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so glad you're on the podcast Me today, too, lady. finally. It's yeah. been a while. Why you say yeah. finally like Because you, you had though. this podcast, Ina, for about a whole year, for 52 weeks straight. You've been running guests up here, and I'm like, she don't want to talk to me then. That's okay. I'm sorry. That's cool. And it's you know right. why I did that? <laughs> I had to get it right. Make it right. Make it right. Before you stepped in this Make studio. Make me feel good about it. Yes. <laughs> so you're here today. I'm good. I'm and here. you do a lot in this iHeart building. I do. You do a lot. Tell me about your day-to-day. Uh, my day-to-day. All right. Um... All right, well, first of all, program director for V101, which is its own thing. A lot of people don't know what a program director does. We are basically responsible for everything that comes out of the speakers, the way it's presented, the way it's sound, organization of uh, promotions, down to the music, down to, to, to coaching, our veteran talent. <laughs> <laughs> is that an easy thing to do? Hell no. So tell me no. about the coaching piece. The- like, how do you approach a vet, a pure D, like 30 plus vet? That's Man. been on air if they need a little help with a break. I you mean, know, what do you do? You know what? I think I think you approach a vet just like you would a rookie, first and foremost, with respect. Mm-hmm. You know, you respect that somebody is in a certain position and all of that. And then, you know, depending on, on what you're coaching, mm-hmm. whether it's on the mic, off the mic, wh- whatever it may be, social media, you know, all the things that we're so responsible for, uh, you, you approach them with respect first, yeah. you know, and then you, you, you get into whatever you need to address. And you do it, you know, respectfully. Okay. Okay. So are you handling your V101? Yes, handling today? V101. Um, I'm probably going to listen back to this and be like, man, I could have answered that a different way. But anyway. <laughs> you good. But there's that. Assistant Program Director for uh, K97. And I'm also doing Middays on K97, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. I've been in that role over 10 years. Loving it, which has also spawned me doing Middays in other markets for iHeartMedia. So I'm on in about 20 other cities. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, um, I am now the voice V103 Chicago. Oh, big market. Y- huge market. Thank you. Thank you. And so when I say um, voice of meaning I'm the imaging voice. So anytime mm-hmm. somebody's in the shy and they step in the car and, mm-hmm. you know, they hearing V103, da, 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 it's me. And say, so say a little something you say on the no imaging. Don't. You're on Chicago. <laughs> like something like, like, you know, are you like, seriously going to send I'm me out with radio? Out. We hate that. <laughs> okay. So Chicago is a great market. So it's, that's it's an major. amazing market. There's some wonderful people in that building as well. And you know what? Really, we just we just got some amazing programmers and a lot of really dope peers to network sideways with mm-hmm. and, and you know, people that can really help us out within this company. Some real wow. heavy hitters that we have access to. So, And you're in 20 cities. Yeah. How do you do that? Like, like um, it's only 24 hours in a day. Right. So you're in the studio a lot. I'm in the studio all day. Oh, all, all day long. So when I start my day, 
you know, I make sure that the the other markets are straight and that they're updated because sometimes I have to tape parts of those shows like in advance. But like, you know, if something happens and it's major, I need to be on it. So I need to be able to update that while I'm in the studio, you know, doing mm-hmm. the Memphis show. Mm-hmm. And anytime somebody sends me some other stuff, you you know what it is. We could mm-hmm. be sitting in the studio. I might get an email maybe from Chicago or I might get an email from, you know, somebody in the sales department wanting me to, to voice something or it might be an endorsement. Mm-hmm. So I spend a lot of time voicing like during the day. And then after all that's done, I'm probably in the studio um, forever. So then after forever, <laughs> um, ever, ever is when I head to the office. And that's when I handle oh, wow. all the emails and all the scheduling and all the technical stuff oh, and, you oh, know, oh, all the training. Oh and all the signing up for this and the doing that that we do. So. Busy lady, do you love it? If I didn't, I you couldn't be, be here. Doing it. <laughs> you know? I know. It's like in the DNA at this point, I know. Man, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you really think about like what we get paid to do, mm-hmm. like I hate to break it down and I hate to make it sound simplistic, but it's like I sit in a room and talk to myself all day mm-hmm. and I get paid to do it. You know yeah. what I mean? I can pay my bills yeah. doing it. You know what I mean? And not to oversimplify because I really love what I do, but I really think it's a blessing like every day. Yeah. And I, I get to wear whatever I want. Right. Look, that's I got to amazing. Work as, like, <laughs> like seriously, I, I wear sweats and sneakers every day. I'm so happy. Have you ever dressed bummy to work and a big celebrity came in big celebrity or you know what somebody actually handed me a book and i've got it in my office and it was a very 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 long time ago when i was doing a very early show Mm -hmm. and i literally still had my head wrapped up and i had on a (laughs) t-shirt and i had on some sweatpants not a stitch of makeup and somebody apparently came in the studio and took my picture that day and it's in a book are you in a book it's yes yes oh my god like it's recorded forever me looking that bummy Mm -mm. but yes that that's happened plenty of times that was like back in the day though We'd be like, so-and-so, so-and-so is here. Uh, you're going to end. And I'm like, oh, oh my, my God. Hell oh my no, God. I don't take no pictures. Okay, well, Sue, we're going to talk more about radio, but let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about you growing up, because I know you're not originally from Memphis. So no. let us know where you're from and a little bit about your upbringing. Okay. I'm an alien, <laughs> first and foremost. No. Um, born in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, adopted by the two most amazing parents in this world. Uh, they're from Mississippi. What part? Uh, Vaden. Vaden. Yeah. I heard of Vaden. If you've heard of Vaden, V A I D E N. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Vaden, Carroll County, Spring Hill, Duck mm-hmm. Hill, all that right around Starkville. Like that's that's mm-hmm. where all my people are from. Uh, yeah. So basically, I'm a Southern girl by proxy. Always have been. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a little girl, their job transferred them though from Chicago to Omaha. And I love talking about my parents. It's like just like the the, the great romance story. They they were part of the Great Migration. Really? Yeah. So you know when all of the older siblings would you know come up north, and they would get a job, and then they would get a house, or they would get a place to stay, and then they would send for the younger siblings. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened with uh, my dad's side of the family. So he went to Chicago and worked because some of his older brothers brought him up, and then he came back to Mississippi, married my mom, mm-hmm. and then they you know set up shop in Chicago and had my brother and you know all of that, and then ended up transferring to Omaha because it was the closest thing to Chicago and so that's where I grew up and went to college and did a semester of college there and then transferred to Memphis because I had a lot of fun at a family reunion I was like I always wanted to go away for college so at least I'll be somewhere where I've got family you know in case right okay but tell me about Omaha how was growing up in Omaha Nebraska I don't know much about Omaha growing up in Omaha is very different from the Omaha that I know now I can definitely appreciate it a lot more Mm -hmm. um 
man, it's it, it's hard to describe it. You know, I remember second grade, my first best friend mm-hmm. telling me that I was the first black person she had ever seen. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I mean, um, I love the education up there. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I go back, like it grows, you know, Warren Buffett owns Omaha, basically. You know, wow. it started with the World Herald and then it just expanded into everything else. Mm-hmm. But going home is really interesting to see what can happen with the city because a lot of places that I went to when I was in high school growing up mm-hmm. are still open. The, wow. the, the, the city just keeps growing and expanding and getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And like the cost of living is very decent. And what they get paid mm-hmm. to be such a small market would blow your mind. Wow. Yeah. So is it the cost of living there is not comparable at all to Memphis or just a little bit? No, no, no. It's it's definitely comparable. But at okay. the same time, they're also making more money oh, okay. for, for similar positions. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you were in Omaha. Moved to Memphis. Yes. Were you culture shocked when you moved to Memphis? Did you come in college? That's when you hit Memphis in college. Um. Actually, coming from Nebraska, there was a, there, you know what? Omaha <laughs> <laughs> to Memphis. No, I mean, yeah, there, there was, but you know what? It was more so, I think, culture shock for people to meet so, meet a black girl from Omaha. You know what I mean? Right. When you tell I think, me I you think were from <laughs> Omaha, I was like, what? <laughs> to this day, people are like, where are you from? Ohio? Iowa? Idaho? Omaha. Oh, yeah, Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, um, it wasn't so much a culture shock for me. I think it had gotten, I had gotten to a point where I wanted to be in a city where I saw more people who looked like me. Mm-hmm. Not that, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I don't look, I don't want to shit on Omaha at all. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because it, it prepared me for a lot of things in my life. Yeah. And like I said, the two people I love most in this world are, still live there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But I knew for me growing up, there were certain things that I was going to need to be exposed to if that makes right. sense and i came of age here in memphis i was 17 17. and i was um that i was a second semester freshman at 17 smart girl no impatient girl oh yeah impatient girl yeah. so i um i graduated from high school a semester early and so with that extra yeah. semester that's when i started at creighton university wow. and then i transferred from there and started at University of Memphis. Well, I see and you were in those books out there in Omaha, I see. Yeah. <laughs> were you involved in sports in, yes. in high school? Yes, yes, what yes. All of them, all of them. From all from all them. the way back, it was basketball, it was volleyball, it was track, and then volleyball. I suck at basketball. To be 5'11", I'm terrible. I Ooh. thought you was cold. No. Mm-mm. No. You know what it is? I'm better at individualized sports. Okay. Team sports, not so much. Okay. So that's why I excelled at track because I was just responsible for myself. Right. What did you do in track? I was a thrower. You know this. Shot, discus, javelin, javelin, hammer, all that. My sister-in-law was a uh, shot. Really? Yeah, she was real good. Yeah. So did you did you excel? In- I did. I did all right. I did all right. Mm-hmm. I scored a you know a couple of points during conference. You know, I had show up, show out a little bit, and you know, but um, this this is the weird thing. I I think. Starting school so early kind of hurt me a little bit when it came to paying for college. Oh. So, like, I walked on to the track team because, you know, you know, track is in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And I had already left high school at that point to start a college. So, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of getting, you know, scholarship money and all that kind of stuff for athletics. I really got down here and I was okay. like, I'm still in shape. I'm going out for the track team, you mm-hmm. know, and help help mom and dad pay for some of this, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So you you graduated from Memphis. Yes. And I think that's around the time we first met at Hot 107. Yes. I remember when I first met you. (laughs) And remember when Kegel was the program director over there at Hot. Those were like the fun days, right? We were all new to radio. It was so much fun. And and I thought you had been there for a minute, too, when I think when we first met. Yeah, I I didn't know that, that, that you were new as well. Boy, that was... That was some fun. It was really that fun. Was some fun. We were like really discovering a lot at that age <laughs> and at that I, time I, in our yeah. career. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, there's a certain Southern Heritage classic oh, that comes to mind. We're not going to get into that story. We ain't going to get into that. But what are like some of your fondest memories from Hot? Oh, man. Um... You know what? I, it's kind of hard to say what is my fondest because I'm still in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's going to be some years where I'm going to look back to right now and be like, yeah. oh, man, remember that? That was so live. Yeah. That was so live. Yeah. That, man, there's so much memorable stuff. Um, Where to start? Okay. Uh, B2K, just because they're top of mind. Mm-hmm. I remember B2K and Bow Wow going down to, like, AutoZone, right? And we're, like, all in the cars, like, following them down there. And it was just crazy. <laughs> And after, like, the meet and greet or whatever we did, um, I ended up shooting pool with the boys. Remember when Jillian's was open? Mm-hmm. Oh, Jillian! Right. Yes. So we're in there, and we're hanging out, and apparently the bodyguards did not close all of those um, curtains. Oh, and some oh. little girls peeked in and saw and that they were in there. Man, them it little was girls. Mayhem. Man, they sounded like the White Walkers from Game of Thrones. It was doo doo Oh, my God. That's how those girls were yeah. with those little boys. Let me tell you, they were drilled to precision. They all hit the floor at the exact same time. Oh, they know what to do. Security put, like, two of them on their back, and they ran out. And I was like, all right, Sharita, I'm going to holler at you, girl. Uh, I'll see you all later. Like, I waited for them to go. Wow. I just kind of sat in there for a minute, you know, and left out. Oh, my God. Like a near stampede. Um, Meeting Diddy. You met Diddy? I met Diddy. Met this, Diddy. Was, this was crazy. Let me tell you how bold Diddy was. We were in the office. We knew he was coming through that night. This this wasn't during uh, my show. This was like during like Devin or Boogaloo's show, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the office, and you know how we used to clown like all over the place, mm-hmm. right? The door was closed. Mm-hmm. Diddy walks in the office. I guess he hears the noise and all that. He just opens the office, and he was just very calm because you know this is just after that whole situation with Shine and J Lo. All oh. that was it was finally over. Because you remember how long that, yeah, that was, it was that went on for some years. Yes. And he just, like, opens the door, and he's, like, very quietly, he's like, hey, how y'all doing? We're like, hey, hey Mr. Mr. Combs, <laughs> Mr. Diddy, Mr. Hey. Oh, <laughs> you know? my. Everybody immediately gets starstruck, and he goes in and, you know, does the interview. Was he cool? Super cool. He, t- mm-hmm. he took pictures. He Very, very approachable. Mm-hmm. That That's one of the cool things. Yeah. You, Do you find that, like, some of these celebrities, like, you know, they have big personalities, but in real life, they're just like us? Oh, every last one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And every, they want to be treated like that, too. It y- seems like. Y- you know, y- you kind of wonder, you know, I think mm-hmm. when you get ready to do like the interview, what mm-hmm. kind of mood they're going to be in. Right. You be trying to read they Man. ass. Sometimes it's hard. Or whoever they're traveling with. Like if mm-hmm. they're traveling with reps, we'll be like, OK, so what's going on? And And depending on who it is. You know, sometimes they'll be like, all right, we know you want to ask about this, but don't ask about this. Right. That's what I hated the most. Right. I hated, you know, I, what do you mean? That's all anybody wants to know. What do you mean I can't ask? The main thing everybody want to know. Exactly. And, wow. and, and, you know, and then in hindsight, sometimes it's like something very small. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about any any artist in general. But mm-hmm. I, I think the um, the bigger the artist, the more success they've had when you get around them. 
it's all it's strange. It's it the in my experience, the more human they are. Yeah. 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 The folks with the big heads are the ones that's like, yo, you ain't even got a second album out. You need right. to show the hell out. That's what exactly. you need to do. Exactly. Oh my God. And get okay. that cocaine from right there. <laughs> Oh, my God. It's all right. He never even had a second single. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Now, I know at one point um, with Hot, you went to Louisiana. I did. You went to another market. Where where in Louisiana were you? Okay, so I was living in Lafayette, Louisiana. Oh, the best place ever with the best food ever. I got kid folks in Lafayette. Really? Yes. I wish I would have known. I knew two people down there, and they were my coworkers. But I bet you found the good food. I did. I did. And you know what's really crazy? Right before I was scheduled to leave, I discovered I had a first cousin. In Lafayette. Of all places. Oh, wow. On my daddy's side. Some of my folks from Chicago. She was down there, married. They had a big church. They had a huge-ass house with a little baby (laughs) yacht in the back. They had Girl, they imported (laughs) palm trees in the front. Like Oh, they had some money. Oh, my goodness. We saw the living room, and and my cousin's husband was like, oh, this is where we entertain heads of state. And I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) Wow. And I'm sitting here. At the tail end. Man, getting this inflated (laughs) price apartment. Oh, man. It could have been a totally different experience. But Did um, you like it there? Not at the time, no. How long were you there? <sighs> Gilligan's Island, girl. I was only supposed to be there six months. I was there for an entire year. Mm. But I will say this. Um, that time there prepared me for a lot, and it taught me a lot. Because it seemed that even though I wasn't out of the industry, it just seemed I was very isolated mm-hmm. from my roots and everything I knew, you know, here in Memphis and, and all of that. But it, it was it was a learning experience. Mm-hmm. And so going through it, I wasn't able to appreciate it because I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. So being able to look back, mm-hmm. I can I, I have a better appreciation for it because I was also on on air in uh, Lafayette and in Baton Rouge. So that was my very first time being on in multiple markets and traveling back and forth when I could between the two. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, you know, set me up for what I'm doing now. It really did. Yeah. When you it's like when you get older when you excel in your career and you look back at all of the things that you've done, you're like, hey, that really was yeah. my stepping stone, you and, know? Exactly. And I think it's really hard to appreciate it. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think what's what it's taught me is like when times really get tough, sometimes you just got to exhale and move through it. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't you don't know because let me tell you something when when I left and I came back to Memphis, I didn't know I was coming back to K ninety seven. Like that happened. After I moved back, after I shoved everything that I was living with for an entire year in the back of my Armada. I love that damn truck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I made it back and it was and, it, and things just started to happen so quickly. Mm-hmm. Nothing but God. Wow. Now, you know, this industry is very male dominated. <laughs> so, you don't say. So with you, <laughs> with you, you know, so you really, you know, like I guess. A, a woman that I personally know have really excelled in this game. Like, you know, assistant PD, PD, you know, yeah. you have really climbed the ladder. So how is that being a female, you know, even amongst your male counterparts? Do they, yeah. you know, do you feel respected? And um, Amongst my counterparts, absolutely, mm-hmm. I do. Because, at, at you know, I think I think anytime when you, you're promoted to a different level, Everybody's on the same level. Everybody's got a different story about, you know, how, how they got there. It's not so much the, the, the people that are in your flanks. It's it's the other stuff that you have to deal with. And I'm and I'm not even, you know, not even like in the management. I'm just talking about like period yeah. when you have a title and having to work with different personalities. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking out 
outside of the house. Mm-hmm. Inside the house, it's been nothing but support. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, as a woman, I think we sometimes have to be a little more cognizant about um, identifying allies. Yeah. Who's truly an ally? Who's who's really, you know, got your back? How do you identify a true ally? Like, is it a Man. Is it something, a ritual you go through? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> a certain set of questions, some energy. What is no, it? No, it's, it's, it's just those conversations, you know, mm-hmm. then you stop and, you know, you, you really pay attention to what someone is saying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just, you know. Just be quiet sometimes and just just observe conversation, you know, for somebody that you don't know. Yeah. But, you know, like I I, I lucked out in having a, a mentor and a friend in Devin Steele, mm-hmm. you know, who has, who has looked out for everybody mm-hmm. in this building. You know what I mean? But I've also been fortunate in my career to run across um, other men who have been allies. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes in this industry, you, you run across those that are you have to see them for what they are. Mm hmm. You have to be able to acknowledge that when they're hating on you or they say something crazy to you or something like that, uh, it's intimidation. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, you're going to get this because you're a female. OK, that's insecurity. <laughs> OK, you know what Number I mean? One. Like like you've got to be able to hear what they say, but understand what the meaning is behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, you, you, you run into the garbage as a woman in the industry, but, you know, you, you run into garbage as a woman. Period. <laughs> Especially know. as a black woman. Oh, girl. <laughs> We're at the bottom of the total pole. But I think things are getting better um, just in general with women. I know you probably get asked to do a lot of things as, mm. you know, a personality, as a program director. Um, but at this level of where you are in the game, are there certain things you just will not do anymore? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, I think the only thing I said I was done with, but it doesn't matter if I'm done because nobody does them anymore. Uh, uh, hosting the male reviews. <laughs> oh, you didn't like those? I mean, it was it was cool, but then it, it was like mm, it, it 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 started to get old. It got old or it got a little over the top. You know what I mean? Because yes, they think it's cute. They pick you up. Exactly. And you're the host. You like go pick the girl over there. Right. She gonna tip you. I'm working like you are. Yes. And I get it. I'm 5'11". You just want to see if you can do it. I get it. You know what I mean? Right. But it's like, uh, easy, easy, easy. Yeah. And then, you know, one too many times you accidentally walking in that dressing room. <laughs> like, I think, I, think I'm, I think I'm okay. I'm done with this. I'm, I'm going to do something else now. Yeah, I remember those Yeah, days. Those were very interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, yeah, but I mean, you said that. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wouldn't do. I'm, I'm pretty much an open book to everything mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Okay. So at this point in the game, Sue, mm. what are your long-term plans in radio? Girl, I can't even decide on what I'm having for dinner tonight. No! <laughs> You're talking about some long-term plans. But you know, so much has changed with the landscape of radio. And because of that, like, technology-wise, yeah. like, we've really seen the evolution of radio Man. over the last two decades. You know the coolest thing, and I'm going to sound so company girl, but it's just so dope to me. Because I was a radio kid growing up, I always wanted to be able to listen to radio in other cities. Mm-hmm. But you had to travel to do that back in yeah. the day. And then somebody came up with an app. Right. We came up with the app. You know I what I mean? I love going here Wendy Williams when I would go to New York. I couldn't Man. wait to go to New York to hear her on the radio. Can I tell you that I was still doing that when I was doing afternoons? Um, they were one of the first stations to actually start streaming. Mm-hmm. So because they were New York and they were mm-hmm. an hour ahead of us, and I actually got a chance to tell Wendy this. This, this is the so cool, <laughs> full circle part of it. But, like, I would listen 
like to her first hour, which would be, I think, the advice hour before she really started getting into the gossip. And I would schedule music and do whatever. And then, boom, I would do my show mm-hmm. because I think that's how so many of us cut our teeth and, and learn by listening to all these other jocks, like yeah. in these other markets, just to hear what is it about them that makes them so popular that, you know, they're so good at it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And I think like one of my big takeaways from Wendy was not the gossip. I never wanted to be a gossipy. I never wanted to be that mean spirited mm-hmm. with it. You know what I mean? Kind of. Yeah. Well, because, you know, like at the, at the end of the day. People are people, and I think sometimes you can hit below the belt, and sometimes you can cut too deeply, and you don't want that axe to swing the other way. Mm-hmm. Winnie doesn't care. No. You know, she gives but, no fucks. But the thing about it is she is an advocate for her audience, and that's mm-hmm. that was the biggest takeaway. It was always about her relationship with her listeners. She didn't care about attaining a certain amount of fame and going Hollywood. It was about, you know, doing her thing. Yeah. Which, which you know, she carried over in the TV. Yeah. And she tamed it down a lot, too. Yes. Because she used to be ruthless. Wait a minute. Baby, like what she did with Whitney Houston, Diddy, Man. like all of the big controversies. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Wendy would, she would have guests that, and I, I know I've seen this before. She would, I think she would have like a guest on and they would be in the studio with her. They wouldn't be wearing headphones. So she would cover her mouth like this, and she would be talking about them while in the same room with them. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, she's something serious. Wow. But wait a minute. Wendy News Alert. I know you've been hearing all of the recent updates. Because I record Wendy, and I go home on my lunch break and look at Wendy. Uh And when she took that long break, I was like, damn, what's going on with Wendy? They was like, Graves disease. She's taking some rest. Mm. But we've been hearing all the rumors about her and her husband, him having a mistress. Remember Wendy fell out on the show. And then she talked about, you know, battling addiction, living in a sober house. Okay, so that's the recent news. But you know what? When she said it, she didn't just come out and say, hey, guys, I'm back on cocaine. (laughs) I'm in the sober house because I'm hitting the cocaine again. It's just like she kind of subtly did it. And and, and then I guess there was another takeaway that somebody else said it was like pills and alcohol. Pills and alcohol. She never really just came out. Man, let me tell you something. That's as open as she's been about it in the past. It doesn't mean that she's going to be as open about it. You know what I mean? She's She's got she's got a little bit more on the line with TV. I know. With the way that they tape it and all of that. And and man, addiction is a bitch. Yes. Yes. Like for anybody that's that's fighting that. I don't care what it is. Yeah. You know, and then and I think the shit with her husband is just adding another level to it. That's probably why she went back to it. If that's what's going on, like the shit with her husband, him having a mistress and she pregnant and she's still with him. And you know how the you house be like, down why the street you leave him? You can't tell no wife to just leave a husband like you that. Sure can't. Especially all them years invested, all the business that they have together. That's man, a manager. Man, look, how many of us got them old aunties whose uncles been cheating? Okay. Been cheating. And they ain't going nowhere. Nobody, he ain't going nowhere. She oh ain't going nowhere. God. Sometimes, look, I, I heard a quote from a movie. They said, sometimes it's a man and a woman got an understanding that nobody else understands. Yeah. yeah. At I the end of the day, it's... She'll work through it. She is. She, she I mean, a 24 she, hour uh, sober coach. Yeah. But I think that's great because I want her to keep her shot. I wish everybody could afford a sober coach. I know. I know. That's some big cheese. You know? But, and, she, but the thing with, you know, her and Kevin, like, you know, she wrote about that in, you know, her book, her first did. book when, when yeah. I went, he, she was in the other room or something like that and heard him talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. And so this ain't nothing new. She's been there before. You know, it's just yeah. maybe under a bigger magnifying glass. Ooh. 
Our idol. Hey, we're all human. All of us. We are all human. Okay, okay. Well, we're going to try to change subjects a little bit. It's all good. Now, like we could not do this conversation (laughs) without a little gossip. I see what you did there. It's all good. Just a little bit. I'm going to come back with some more. Okay. But um, you are a huge foodie. Huge foodie. You post some of the most (laughs) delectable items on your socials and you cook them so tell me when your love for food began man i think my my love of food probably began a really really long time ago before i even really knew it i always said i never wanted to work food service though Mm -hmm. because you got to think about like um all the jobs that, you know, our friends had when they first started working. Everybody's working at Wendy's or know, Burger King or McDonald's or, or just any. Right, right. Or, or just, just, <laughs> just any fast food period. And you would just always hear about, you know, the horror stories of how they hated this or hated that or did this or did that. I was like, Ugh, I don't ever want to do that. But um, I, I can't even pinpoint where the love of food started. But I can think about my earliest memories of food. And it goes back to my folks and any of my friends. They know the story I'm about to tell. Like, uh. <laughs> Cast iron skillet. I used to always mm. refer to it as like the magic pot, like the mm-hmm. magic skillet, because, you know, my parents worked their asses off, you know, when, you know, before they retired. So uh, I, I would let myself in like a lot of kids, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, they, kid. I was a latchkey kid. Okay. I had a key on a necklace Big around girl. my neck. Yeah. <laughs> you let yourself in. And before mom goes to work or whenever, uh, there was three stairs going into the kitchen. So. From the ground level, you could look up and you could see if there was a pot on the stove, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a cast iron skillet. Mm-hmm. So it was going to only be, there was only going to be like one of three things in there. It was going to be spaghetti, there was going to be uh, chili, mm-hmm. or if there was the cast iron skillet and there was a little pot next to it, it's like jackpot. Mom made fried <laughs> chicken and rice. <laughs> So it was always that thing. I actually have that skillet to this day. It's, it's, you still have those? Yeah, it was my grandmother's. Uh huh. Wow, those cast iron skillets are the best. They really are. Yeah. They really are. And I'm such a foodie that like I Google everything about food, from like manufacturing to cooking to sourcing, even oh, even cookware. Oh, it's shameful. And then you travel. I know you travel a lot, yes. uh, both internationally and domestically. So you go to where the food has originated. Yes. So tell me about some of your travels. You know what? Um, the first time I actually went to have dinner by myself was in Paris. Oh, la la, we that, win. That sounds so bougie <laughs> when, when you say it out Where loud. Where did you go and what did you eat? I went to, um, there is a man, he just passed away. Uh, he was named the chef of the century, Joel Robichon. Mm, and Robichon. he's got he's got, um, he's got a restaurant in Vegas inside the MGM, L'Atelier, Chef de Robichon. And then he has one on the Champs-Élysées. So when you see all those pictures of all the shops in Paris that line the street, there's like a Ferrari shop, you know, Louis Vuitton, you know, just stuff I'm never going to buy. But mm-hmm. at the very top where the um, Arc de Triomphe is, right across the street, there's a place called the Pharmacy. And it's it's a proper pharmacy. You know, they've got everything in there. They've got books and magazines, and they've got like a small deli in the back. They even have a humidor in the back. Mm. They've got a restaurant up front and a bar, and we sat and we had drinks and everything. And so I went all the way to the back, and then if you're looking, there's a stairway that leads down there, and it's just like a little small sign by the side of the door, the size of a menu. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I didn't even know it was there. I just stumbled on it. Mm-hmm. So I went down there, and obviously I'm dressed like a tourist. I'm like in a T-shirt and some capris or something like that. And I'm like, uh, do I need reservations for dinner? They was like, no. 
but we'll seat you whenever. So I went back upstairs, told the crew, I was like, I'm having dinner here tonight. Uh, it's a really high dollar menu, so I'm not going to ask you to join me. If you want to, cool. If not, cool. And it ended up being the first meal that I had by myself yeah. because I was going in. I had the chef's tasting menu. Mm. So there was like nine items on this menu. And you go in and, girl, this shit is like a movie. <laughs> <laughs> They've got like this dark tinted glass and through the glass you can see everybody cooking. Everybody's on a different station. I watched a man whip mashed potatoes for two and a half hours because that's how long I was there. And funny, funny, funny thing how, how God in the universe works. I went alone and they sat me next to one of their regulars. Wow. A French banker by the name of Maxime. Mm. He spoke just enough English. I spoke just enough French for us to be able to get through this dinner service. Wow. And because they knew him and he was explaining everything to me. So they started bringing out little extra stuff. And then he shared his stuff with me because he had just turned vegan and they were making stuff special for him. And it was just the most mind blowing meal I think I ever mm. had. And I think the best meals are always made better because of the company that you share them with. Yeah. And I went solo not knowing what to expect, and, and here I made a new That's friend. That's when you have the most fun. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wow. Well, I want to, uh, you know, hear about your food podcast soon. So what's up with this? <sighs> I knew what's you was going to put me on the spot. Pie? What's up with the food pod? It's, it's coming. It has to. Okay. It, it has to. I I I'm, I think I'm sitting on too much content to not do yes, something. Yes, <laughs> yeah. If I ain't doing nothing but just you know I don't know reading off recipes or something, I'm gonna figure something oh, out. Oh wow! <laughs> so what are you playing on your playlist right now? What's on your playlist? Mm. How many playlists you get? Oh do you gosh. have multiple? It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Hold I'm on, one of those. Sure I'll create a new one and then I'll just keep adding to it. Man. And then listen to it forever, then start a new one. I don't know so, why. So I'm on, who am I on? I'm on um, Leatherette. Leatherette. I'm on a lot of Anderson Pack. Anderson, Anderson mm-hmm. Pack makes so much damn music. It's mm-hmm. Literally, he's dropping a project a week. Really? You know, he'll have his big albums, but then you'll be like, wait a minute, when did this mixtape drop out? Or when did this song come? What is you know, it about is- Anderson Pack that you like? I am a fan of talent. Mm-hmm. That is a man who can sit down behind the drums and perform at the same time. Mm-hmm. He can sing and play the drums. Physically, do you know how demanding that is? Because mm-hmm. your foot is doing one thing, your right and your left hand are two, doing two totally different things, and you are able to ride the middle of that and mm-hmm. sing the song or rap the verse. Like, that is amazing to mm-hmm. me. Like, that is that's what's going to be on my playlist. Something that's talent, or somebody takes a sample and flips it a new way. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that. That yeah. And Chicago house music is always on my playlist. Chicago house music. So that good old <laughs> girl. When I was at Lamont, we had a lot of people from like Chicago area right. that was teaching us how to do all the little house, the footwork. Yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> <laughs> now let me ask you this: since we're on music right now, uh, what do you think the state of R and B is right now? I know hmm. we see a lot of like uh, reboots going on right now from the old nineties, which yeah. we love. Yeah. But what about the current R and B? Are you digging it? Um, it's it's um I think we're always gonna have that traditional R and B. You know, there's there's gonna be those those the balladeers, mm-hmm. as we call them, you know, that are con- going to continue to make, you know, really good music, really talented people. Um I'm thinking Marsha Ambrosius, and I'm thinking, 
uh, who else? It's, uh, Keith Sweat's always making music. Mm-hmm. You, you know, um, the Neo, you, Robin Thicke Tank. just got a new project. Tank, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, um, I think I think that music is always going to be there. It's just always important that these outlets remain there. Mm-hmm. I wish R&B artists had more support mainstream. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's so easy for a pop artist to cross over, but not, not the, the other, other way around, way, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I really like, you know, hip hop and R&B, just the way that meshes. And now you've got people playing with more sounds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, think about a couple albums back what Drake was doing. I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was the Canada sound or what, but, you know, you heard Drake and you heard The Weeknd and you heard, like, all these folks. Mm-hmm. And you've got even more people doing it. And you've got all these groups that are starting to come out, you know, yeah. with, like, their soul in their own expression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't, it, it, uh, the state of R&B, it's, it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. It'll change and go through its phases, but. Do you ever feel conflicted in your role as a program director when, like, having to program music? Like, maybe you want, really want this song, but maybe per yeah. iHeart guidelines, I can't do that. Or is it not even like that? No, you know what? We are actually given um, pretty decent license to play the records that we feel are going to benefit our station. You know what I mean? That are that are going to help us win at the end of the day. And you know what? Put a pin in that. I do want to say this. Like, people got to understand, like, program directors win. Because, you know, we always get folks when we play my music, mm-hmm. play my music, and listen to this. even work? Here's the thing. Like, our job is... Think about it. We we provide a free service, okay? You know, it, it's it's music, and it's some of the some of your favorite personalities, mm-hmm. the folks that you can reach out and touch every day on the street. You know what I mean? And and we want to win, and winning means making sure that you stick with us. So everything we do, we do for the consumer, we do for the listener. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything is with the listener in mind. So that's the task that we're challenged with when we're presented with new music. Yo, is Memphis going to rock with this? Because, mm-hmm. you know, and, and markets are different. Mm-hmm. And But we will tell you, Memphis <laughs> is different from anywhere <laughs> else ever. You know what I mean? Yes. We're different. But every 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 city, you know, kind of has their own thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though we're southern cities, cities, mm-hmm. Memphis is different from Atlanta, which is different from Montgomery, which is different from Mobile, which is different from Birmingham, which is different mm-hmm. from Jackson, which is different from uh, the Pensacola, uh, Miami. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, everything. I, that's the one thing I want listeners to know that you know we, it's for you. Mm-hmm. It's to keep you coming back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Now where were we? I know. Before I went there, <laughs> we, we we were talking about um. You know, do you ever feel conflicted um about programs? Oh the music? um no, I don't feel conflicted. But sometimes there'll be some music out that's so damn good. And I will want it to win, and it won't win. Mm-hmm. Like it won't, it it won't be the hit. So it's just like, okay, all right, that's maybe that's just my 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 personal pick right there. Yeah. You know, because we're afforded a lot of research to say, okay, right. this is what's testing, this is what's happening in your city in real time. You know what I mean? This is what everybody's downloading. This is what they're shazamming. This is what they're looking for. This is what they're reacting to. Mm-hmm. You know, when they hear this song, they stay with your station. When they hear this song, they turn away. Like. You know, we've, you we have we, the data to prove we've it. got access for all of this. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it's like to see a song that you really, 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 really want to win. And it's it's down, like sometimes it's like, it's like dang. <laughs> or you know what? You think it, you think it's going to do better than it does. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Wow. Now, yeah. I so know it happens. You probably get a lot of Memphis talent that approach you and want their music played. Mm. So how do you handle something like that? We get reached out for, I mean, not only Memphis artists, but just independent artists, mm-hmm. you know, period. And they always want to know what's the secret sauce. First things first, radio should not be the first thing on your list. You know, you've got to, you've got to develop that fan base. Yeah. You've got to be able to create a story. You know what I mean? They always say you got to win over, you know, your hometown first before you can branch out. You got to put in that work. So whether it's the performances or, you know, make sure you're doing your, your, your due diligence on your, your social media. Yeah. They, exactly. Like all of that tells a story. You know what I mean? And what is this? Is it registered? Is it going to be marketed? Is it sellable? Does it have the footprint in it? You know, like, like you know, like, <laughs> well, is, it, know. Is, it, is it registered? <laughs> like, what is it? Right. I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, we're still getting handed CDs in 2019 and somebody mm-hmm. done wrote on the on the sleeve. And it's like, yo, <laughs> do you know how far I have to go to find a CD player in here? Right. Like everything is digital. Like everything, you know. Yeah. I and, know. And, that, and I don't say that just for Memphis artists, but it's really understanding more than your part. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the key to getting anything you want in life. If you have to network with someone else or someone can help you, you need to understand what their responsibilities are and what they do mm-hmm. and not just what you want to accomplish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you know that I'm looking at a record based on if I think the city is going to, you know, if they're going to react to it, then do your due diligence and show how the city will react to it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. okay, well, this is the following I've gotten. This is what I've done. Because, as a matter of fact, if you popping, we'll know before you reach out. Right, right. That you know, it's just another one of the things that we're responsible for knowing. Yeah, and it, you know, working in radio, people think that since they know you, they can reach out to you, shoot you the record, and you gonna get it on, and it just don't work like it don't, that. It don't work like that. And <laughs> I think um, it's funny because me and Devin talk about this a lot. It's like, I don't I don't know if a lot of people really understand um, the fact that they can reach out for us. Like, basically anybody in radio in Memphis, you could, you could shoot them an email. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You can get in touch with somebody. Yeah. It doesn't happen like that in these other markets. No, like, you no. know. It, like it's it's that scene from Brown Sugar, <laughs> you know For what real? I mean? If you get in on Music Day, they're not paying attention and just going through it. It's like, oh, right, okay, bye, you're done. Really, <laughs> it know. really is. You know, but I mean, you didn't hurt a few feelings in your in your career. Man, I try not to. <laughs> I try not to, man. Look. And because because I know what it's like to be told no and to have doors mm-hmm. slammed in my face. I mean, mm-hmm. do you know it took me three tries before I even got on it hot. You know, do you know I was on the jazz station doing it for free before then? Whoa. Before that, do you know that I was in Omaha getting paid cash in an envelope mm. to do a 10 to 1 shift, mm. read note cards mm. as the commercials? Like, I understand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I went to school and I did and I tried to prepare and I tried to make myself as undeniable as possible and I still got told no. Mm-hmm. So you really got to know, is this what you want to do and how hard yeah. are you willing to keep coming back every time? Yeah, you got to put that work in. Yeah, you got to put that work in. Wow. Now, I hear that you... Oh, and you got to network. Network. <laughs> and you gotta, Networking and, is very important. And when I say network, I mean... And I'm not even talking about... I, I think because of radio and because we're industry or whatever, it's so easy just to think that I'm just talking about this. But I've learned, like, in life, yeah, 
relationships are really everything. When they say it's not what you know, it's who you know. No, you better know something. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? If you go have somebody vouch for you. But the strength of your relationships, and it's something as simple as introducing yourself. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the situation about, you know, being a woman in a male-dominated industry and all that. And, you know, I was telling you it's never in-house. It's never amongst peers. It's never amongst colleagues. It's amongst others. And it starts with respect. You know, I could tell you so many times, it's, it's for because I'm a core DJ, right? Mm-hmm. I can tell you so many times that I was handed a CD and the guy was like looking at his feet or he goes to shake my hand and it's real limp and there's mm-hmm. no eye contact. And I'm like, and you want to rock arenas with this? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, you know, or they bypass you because you're a woman because mm-hmm. they think, oh, no, she's she's she, she's not leadership. She's she's a DJ's girlfriend or she's this or she's that or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like it starts with proper networking and not just introducing yourself to somebody shaking a hand and passing a card. Nobody's going to remember that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's actually scheduling the time or starting a conversation with somebody. I'm more likely, you're more likely to remember someone if they made you laugh or they told you a story or they shared something with you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. Instead of just trying to do mass, just trying to hand out as many cards and, oh, I'm out here working, I'm out here grinding. No, you're not building anything. Nobody knows you at the end of the day, you know? Right, you're right. the guy with the CD, with the writing on the okay. <laughs> rapper, you know? But you know what, Sue, like, you know, you're on air, um, PD, but you cut up on them ones and twos, Thank baby. you, darling. What made you want to actually start spinning? Okay. You and just who didn't. taught you how to spin? I do not know how, who taught me. You're funny. Nobody. I, nobody? <laughs> nobody can. None of the DJs. DJing, like, listen, DJing isn't really something you can teach. You got to figure you, you it can't, out. You, you can't teach somebody how to hear. You can tell them what to listen for. You can tell them, okay, hand-eye coordination is going to go something like this. This is what you're listening for, mm-hmm. and this is what you need to be doing and all of that. And it's really on them to be able to execute. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like I said, it's it's a solo sport. Mm-hmm. You, you know? have a good ear. I have a good ear. You know beats I mean? per minute. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I only know a little you bit. Know, you want to crash look, course, don't it? I know where I am. I don't know one of the tools. But like, it's, you, well, you know what? I, and I, but let me say this. It, it definitely is easier to coach somebody now with the tools that we have. Because, mm-hmm. see, back in the day, God, I just that anyway (laughs) forget it i earned my years i earned my years but you know we didn't have waveforms to look at to match up like you do on serato now like you know snares one color and the base is other color and Mm -hmm. you can line it up like this and all that you know what i mean and just because you have access to that and you have these records doesn't mean you could rock if you don't know how to put them together if you don't know how to read a crowd if you don't know how to be able to feel out the room and be like okay this is the vibe this is where i want to take them this is where we're gonna go you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but um what were we saying? <laughs> <laughs> I do that a lot. <laughs> Sorry. you're so into it. Yeah. I can tell you love doing it. I do. But I only want to play what I want to play. You do? And what if, you know, like how you, you might get booked for a wedding? No, nah, I'm not getting booked you for a do wedding. You don't do weddings? No. Only, well, okay. I did one wedding. And you was like, no, I think I think it scarred me. <laughs> I think it scarred Why? me. Why? What happened? I, the wedding was beautiful. It just wasn't. I you couldn't play what you wanted to play. 
No, I mean it, it was more than that. You know what? Sometimes I don't. I don't think I want to be responsible for your big day that way because oh. I can't play what I want to play. You know what I mean? Because oh. you know people get real high strung about weddings. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to be yeah. around no bridezillas, and I don't want to have no meetings before the meetings. Nope, I want to come. Yeah. I want to wreck. I want to play Let some good music. I want to have a good time. <laughs> like that's 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 what I want. But mm. you know what? I I will make sure that that a, that another DJ, another great DJ, will get that gig. Yeah. So with certain ones, it's like if I, if I'm not gonna have fun, I'm not gonna take it. Yeah. And you know what? I saw that. I think that should be all the uh, that that should be the rule. If you can't have fun doing it, don't do it. Right. Uh, with anything. <laughs> right. Right. I saw you uh, attended a DJ set for women. I wasn't able to make it, but I'm so glad that you Man. were there. How did that go? Shout out Who to all were there. Shout out to Cooley though. Shout out to Crystal. Yes. Um she and um my good friend Tanya Dyson over to Slim House, you know, offered the spot. Uh man, who was there? Uh Toots. Mm-hmm. Uh DJ Zeta was there. Um AD was there. Uh Keisha was there. Oh my god, you're gonna make me forget somebody. <laughs> Wait, I'm going back to this picture right now because I don't want to forget. I, I was nobody. looking at the pictures because I'm on the group chat and um I saw that they were it looked like they were like so hanging on to your words because I know that they respect you. You know what I'm saying? And I'm glad that you attended. Okay, who else was there? Reckless. Space Age. Oh, my God. Yes. What's up, Space Age? Uh, KP to DJ. KP! Uh, DJ Alpha Whiskey. Uh, new Alpha to the Whiskey. city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know what? It was beautiful. It was beautiful uh, that those sisters, um, you know, kind of brought everything together to kind of talk. Because, you know... Sh- when I first started DJing, I think it was just me and a sister named Lady T. Mm. And we didn't really, you know, like we knew of each other, but we like didn't really have a relationship. So it was kind of like, I, you know, she probably kind of felt like she was on an island. And I felt like I was on an island when it came to, you know, women being behind the turntables. And I'm I'm not the first, right. you know, to have done it in the city. But it was a real long gap, between, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, until I came along. Um, we face uh, different obstacles. But the coolest thing is that for all the all the women DJs that are out now, like they have each other, mm-hmm. you know, so that that's that's a major thing. So they could kind of gripe to each other, you know, or vent mm-hmm. to each other or learn from each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they had the turntable set up and like I had to run and they was getting ready to get a workshop in. I'm like, man, I need to get up on my scratch skills. Yes. But damn, I'm moving in this house <laughs> and I got to go. And so. Oh, yes. Congratulations oh, yeah, on moving you. into your new house. I want to come to the uh, come on. housewarming. Bring Tito's. I'll bring Tito's. <laughs> I'm going to bring you some shrimp creole. Oh, some my God, bay, yes. Some gumbo. And I heard you got some cats in that house. Yes. What kind of cats you got? I Tell have two strays. They, you know what? I, I didn't go to the pet shop and pick them out. They were actually born under my old house. What? Yeah. They little funk-ass mammy abandoned them under the house. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I had my, my landlord at the time was also my next-door neighbor. So, they all crawled under the house. Sorry, Brian. And <laughs> there were four. So, he took two. And I ended up taking two, and then I ended up having pets, and that was what they're going to be like twelve this year. Aww. They still act like kittens. They they run the house. They're Just keeping like me babies. single, huh? Just like your baby. Yeah, old cat they're lady. Keeping you single. I'm, I'm I'm look. I'm one more from crazy cat lady. Oh, my, because it's funny you mentioned they keeping you single because everybody been wanting to know, are, is Big Sue single? Big Sue is single. Big Sue oh. is an unmarried woman. Oh. Yeah. How, I mean, Sue, you mm. a high commodity, though. The thank you. Say it louder. Look, you. For the man in the back. 
Well, as you all know, Big Sue will be on the live podcast from DMs to Dating. Yes. And we're going to be talking about a lot of things that you as a single woman, you know, go through navigating, especially with this social media. Oh, uh, yeah. Tell me how has that changed Man. the game for you, for you. It's <laughs> for you, Big Sue. How has it changed the game? Um... You know what? I think when when a lot of my girlfriends started doing like the online dating thing, I was like, um, I'm not gonna judge you because you. Yeah, I think I think it's a great vehicle for people who are you know honestly looking for relationships, and you can kind of just filter through the BS. And I, I think that's dope. It's just not for me. Mm-hmm. So like when it comes to the DMs, the DMs and and reaching out like on social media is so different because it's like so instant. You know what I mean? Instant. Like there'll be situations where I've been out and I've seen somebody and I was like, damn, he's cute. And I just keep it moving. Right. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, you got a new follower. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, wow. This mm. is new. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. I know people who've actually gotten married out of DMs. Mm-hmm. It can happen. Like, it can happen. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, okay. Well, Because social go- media, no, because it, it causes a lot of heartache, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I'm looking forward to, to yes. the talk. I mean, I'm going to be a fatalist. Baby, I done made yes. damn near right. every mistake you can, so. Oh, we want to hear all <laughs> about it. I just want to thank you, Sue, for coming to the podcast. Thank uh, you for having me. learned so much about you today I, i've learned a few things i did not know uh-huh. and um at this time i would like for you uh-huh. to tell the audience of the verbally effective podcast you know just kind of talk to you know what your outlook is as a program director for iHeartMedia, um for the music industry and you know just memphis music in general I count myself fortunate that I've I've got some friends who are not from the United States, and so it's so cool uh, when they when they come to Memphis and they they just revel in all of this history that we have, and I think sometimes it it it, it gets kind of like taken for granted what a gem we are, mm-hmm. but it's something to be so so proud of. Like I am humbled to even play like a small part of it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because think about all the stations that we have in this building yeah we also have the first black formatted radio station in the country wdia WDIA. like we literally walk amongst legends and vets every day like if these studios could really talk Mm -hmm. you know and the history of the music that's been made in the city that continues to be made in the city girl do you know at any given time who's really in this city coming to record because they want that nostalgic feel mm-hmm. like I'm it look it would blow your mind I remember somebody was dropping some of them damn names them them super duper duper a-list names mm-hmm. and just be sneaking into the city you know mm-hmm. what I mean yeah just to record something they go into the studio e- exactly but I think I think man the legacy of Memphis music is definitely going to continue especially when you think about like the people who come here to record mm-hmm. and coming to record with Memphis musicians. Like, Memphis and music, man, that's, that's peanut butter and jelly. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, yes. And it's one of those things that you really miss when you're away from home for any amount of time. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Memphis is one of those cities, especially if you say downtown, midtown, you step outside your house, you're going to hear a live band. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so entrenched in what we do. Like, yeah. everywhere you go, it's like, all right, yeah, we're going to go party, but where the band at? 
Right. You we know. can do that here. Everybody don't do that. They don't. And no. I, I think a lot of people kind of take that for granted. It's like, no, that's, you know, like everybody, Louisiana, okay? So they've got their second line music. They've got their exactly. brass bands. You know, yes. exactly, right? Yes. And when you come to Memphis, you're going to get some good blues. But you're going to get some soul. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to get some of everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just one of those things that's always going to, you know, continue. And I mean, you know, we're always going to be a part of it. Yes. Okay, program director <laughs> extraordinaire. <laughs> Thank now, you, Big Sue, how can everybody get in touch with you? Big Sue's house on Twitter and Instagram. Don't hit me on Facebook. It'll be next year before I check it. Just keep it in a book. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I love Big Sue. Thank I you love you so Sabina. much, lady, for coming to the Verbally Affected Podcast. You are episode 61, lady. Hey! <laughs>